بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته This is your brother Bona Muhammad welcoming you to the first episode of our new podcast called The Muslimi Experience Allahu Akbar This is going to be a series where we delve into the life and the background of so many different amazing Muslims from all walks of life and to begin this series off I thought let's start off with someone special Drew Davis. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. How are you doing, brother? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I'm doing amazing. Alhamdulillah. Now, how would you introduce yourself? Yeah. Bismillah uh, alhamdulillah. Um, my name is Drew Davis. <laughs> I also go by Amin Davis. And uh, that's it. <laughs> I'm a new Muslim. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> alhamdulillah. Drew Davis has accepted Islam. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, how long have you been Muslim? Seven months now, just just about seven months. So this is your seventh month anniversary run right now. Yes. Okay. Um, now, how might people know you? Because for some people, they may not have any idea of who you are. But what are some of the things that you might have done that people would know of? Yeah, yeah. So I've been an actor for, professional actor for um, since I, the age of six years old. Mm. So uh, probably seen me around a little bit, even if you don't realize it. Yeah. Um, but m- some of the more recent things I've worked on, uh, I'm working on a show right now. That's on Netflix all around the world and a CBC show called Heartland. Mm. And uh, I've done a lot of professional theater as well and many film and TV productions. Allahu and Akbar. Voice, everything. Now, brother, <laughs> you are underselling who you really are. So I had to pull out the resume, all right, the okay. CV. I had to go on the LinkedIn and get all the... The IMDb and get all okay. the deets. Maybe okay? I should walk out the room for this. Or I, it's going to be embarrassing <laughs> for you. I'm warning you now. But okay. I think it's really important for people to understand a little bit of your background. So in 2011, when you were six years old, you got casted in your first film, The Tiffany Rubin Story. It was a Lifetime mm-hmm. movie starring Taraji B. Henson. Mm-hmm. All right? Some of you might know she's a big actress. Um, and that series won. She won an Emmy for that, for that actual movie. Yeah. The, the, show, the movie itself won three awards, ten nominations. So that was your first gig. Yeah. Was you I guess you played her son? Played her son. Yeah, basically this the movie revolves around actually a true it's based on a true story. Hmm. Um about a mother whose son gets uh taken from her. That's why it's called Taken right. from Me. Right. Um and the whole movie is about her basically running around chasing after me trying to find me through different countries and I'm disguise put in different disguises and wow. all sorts of things that So look, that. we <laughs> There's too many credits right now. Yeah. I got to go through all of them okay. and then we're going to break them down. Okay. okay? So that was your first film, 2011. You were yep. six years old. You starred alongside Taraji B. Henson. And then you had a a, a TV crime movie called Befriend and Betray, mm-hmm. okay, which was actually set in Montreal, received a Canadian Screen Award nomination. Uh, then you were in a film, Jesus Henry Christ. I won't even ask you about the title. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's a feature film. Starring award-winning, Oscar-nominated Tony... How do you pronounce her last name? Colette? Yes, Colette. <laughs> Colette, Colette, yes. Yeah. Okay, and Michael Sheen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's actually an Oscar-nominated actress herself. So that was only 2011. That's when you were six years old. You starred in three Hollywood movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, we'll go a little bit further down the line now. 2012, you started voice acting in the video game series for Max and Ruby. Yep. And which character did you play in that? I played Max. <laughs> So you're Max in Max and Ruby. Yeah, for a few seasons, yeah. So you actually voiced the character of Max yeah. in Max and Ruby, okay? This is when you were, what, seven years old? Yeah, I guess so. Seven. Allahu Akbar. And then you starred in a film called A Dark Truth, a feature yeah. film starring Andy Garcia, 
Eva Longoria and Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. You know, just regular folks, right? Oh, yeah. Not a big deal. Forrest Whitaker. That's actually one of my favorite actors, so subhanAllah. And uh, that movie, what did you play? Do you remember? Yeah, I played Forrest Whitaker and Eva Longoria's son. Wow. Actually, alongside my sister. Yes, yeah. your sister was. We'll talk about your sister as well. Yeah. All right, 2013, you had a guest spot in Cracked, which is a CBC series that follows a team of cops and psychiatrists. Yeah. Um, and then you also starred in a Disney movie called Bunks. <laughs> Right. Which yeah. actually was a really cool, like kind of fun movie. Kind of mm-hmm. reminded me yeah. of I had a film called Super Hijabi in that same okay. kind of genre, kids yep. film. Yeah. So that was a Disney film yep. that you were you starred in and yep. it actually won a Canadian Screen Award. Yep. So congratulations. I know Thank it's from you. 2013, but never too late. Uh, you then starred in a kid series called Dozers. 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 OK. Yep. Another cartoon series. Yeah. Um, 2014, you starred in a series called Rookie Blue. Mm hmm. Which was a uh, like a crime series. Yeah, another cop uh, show. Another cop show where you played the role of Leo Nash. Yeah. So who was Leo Nash in that series? He was, again, the son of uh, one of the lead uh, cops in the show. Right. She's, uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you were the lead role of the child in that series. Yeah. Again, two wins, 31 nominations. So a really accredited show. And then you had a little guest spot in this show called Odd Squad. Oh, yeah. Which is... Uh, a really dope kids series. Actually, my kids are big fans of it. I watched it, you know, a little too many times, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Uh, with your sister Millie Davis. Yeah. Okay. Who's really the star of the show? She yeah, plays she Miss O. Okay. <laughs> little cute girl. She she's kind of bosses everybody around in the show. Not I, so cute in the show though. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I thought it was cute in the show because yeah. it was just funny that she was like the boss of everyone. Yeah. That show's no joke. That yeah. show had 47 wins, 119 nominations. Yeah. Uh, long-standing series and again she was a star of the show you had a, a feature in that show then you guess appeared in Murdoch Mysteries mm-hmm. which is another CBC series a CBC Canadian show actually Nick Nurse had a, a feature in that show too I don't yep. know if you remember that yeah you did um, you also guest starred on a cartoon series called Little People okay uh, hey, you're, you're surprising me with things I don't even you remember. don't even remember half this <laughs> stuff right let's keep going because now it gets actually better okay yeah. not better but <clears throat> the, the names keep getting bigger and bigger so in 2016 you appeared in 10 episodes of BBC America's series Orphan Black yeah which some people would know is you know was a major series yeah, won yeah. a bunch of awards Tatiana Maslani Maslani yeah yeah okay she actually won an Emmy for that series mm-hmm. and you were in that series like a good role you had yeah. a pretty good role in it 10 yeah. episodes who did you play? Do you remember? I played Tatiana Maslany's son. <laughs> yeah. You're the son guy. I'm the son guy, man. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> so you're everybody's son, mashallah. Okay. <laughs> then you featured in a TV series called Between. Yep. Okay. Uh, then you starred in Just In Time, mm-hmm. which is an animation series. And who did you play in Just In Time? I played Justin. In Just <laughs> so in you were the star yeah. of Just In Time, that yeah. a series, an animation series that received three wins, 11 nominations. Okay. So now we're getting into 2017. You starred in the Amazon original series Androids. 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 Yeah. But it's spelled with an A N N E. Androids. Yes, yeah. So it's about a girl. It's about a girl named, named Anne, Anne, and right? she has a lot of droids. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you starred in that series. That was an Amazon series. Yeah. Uh, then you voiced Danny Torres in the kids yeah. series Arthur. Yeah. Bro, that's big. Arthur? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Arthur is like, I'm sure it's a big one, bro. Come on. Yeah, Everybody fun. grew up on Arthur. I love okay. Show, yeah. So you were actually in Arthur and then <laughs> you got a bigger role in a small show. Some people might know of it called Paw Patrol. Oh, yeah. That one. Yeah. Where you played Marshall. <laughs> yeah. For 71 episodes. Yeah. 
Alhamdulillah. Dude, 71 episodes of anything is crazy. Alhamdulillah. Okay, that series, obviously, Emmy nominated. You played the role of Marshall, one of the lead roles in that mm -hmm. series. So all the kids out there who are familiar with Paw Patrol, they might recognize your voice. You not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, yeah. Your voice is a little bit different back then yeah. because you were obviously, you know, playing a child. Yeah. Um, you then starred in the series Big Top Academy. Yeah. Okay, which actually was pretty cool, pretty dope. Yeah, a lot of fun. 44 episodes. I actually saw the series before I even knew you were in it. Really? So Big Top Academy is this series all about like a circus. It's like a group of kids that are involved in circus. You know, they're like a traveling circus. Yeah, and circus boarding school. Circus boarding school. Yeah. So you played one of the lead roles in that. Yeah. And um, you actually flexed a lot of your other muscle. We talk about a little bit more because you have a background in, in, in dancing mm. and theater and stuff like that. So I think that was clearly right up your alley. You were actually, trained. Actually, sang the theme song for the show. Too. You sang the theme song yeah, for I it. Did. Wow, amazing. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay, then you guest starred in this tiny little HBO show called Titans. Yep. Okay, it's also <laughs> a DC show. So you had a role in Titans. And then you had a supporting role in CODA. 2019, I see this making you uncomfortable, which yeah. it should be, because I know it sucks talking about your own accomplishments, but people got to know, bro. Yeah. Coda 2019 alongside Sir Patrick Stewart. Allahu Akbar. He Knighted. is Patrick, uh, Professor Xavier. Yeah. So you're basically one of the X-Men pretty oh, much yeah. at this point. Yeah. Okay. So you worked alongside Patrick Stewart, um, Katie Holmes, and Giancarlo Esposito. Who were you in that series, in that movie? I was this kid. So the, the movie is about a piano player kind of losing piano and then coming back to it and struggling with that and I was just a I was a kid who was a big fan of him that comes and he takes me onto the big stage and I play for him and wow you have a nice little so it wasn't bond. like some act some extra in the background this no was like not an extra no. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay <laughs> so yeah so you basically acted alongside these Hollywood elite yeah. and then you starred in a Netflix film called feel the beat yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> don't watch these. Do not. Do well, not go searching for them. Yeah. Please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't recommend it specifically this film. No. But it's a it's a film about a misfit group of dancers. Yeah. Okay. These like street kids who start using their dancing and. Yeah. So I play a football. I play actually a football player. Right. Who basically the this dance group needs a strong guy to do the lifts oh. and so then they like recruit me and i end up like, <laughs> you're the help. jock yeah who basically learns to dance basically <laughs> yeah. yeah but funny enough you have a background in dance yeah I right do, yeah. you actually are trained in ballet yeah you know yeah. how many years did you spend at the ballet two years at uh, the national ballet school mm. and then uh, i moved to a other studio that dealt with uh, all all genres of dance for a number of years after that so you're trained yeah. in all oh, styles all of dance. All styles, yeah. Wow. Okay. And then you got another call up to uh, Big Top Academy. They had yeah. this uh, School's Out edition. Yeah. So actually that one was uh, during the COVID times. Mm. Um, we were all locked at home. Right. And so we filmed a locked down version, basically. Wow. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Yeah. So that was just shot like at home on your own? Like it was all the whole yeah, thing through Zoom? we shot it through Zoom. Yeah. Really? We shot it through Zoom. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and then you had a, a, a guest spot in a series called Strays. Mm -hmm. which is a CBC series. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's the same creators of Kim's Convenience. Yeah, right? it is. It is. Yeah. It's so a spinoff of a spinoff of yeah. Kim's Convenience. Uh, so you had a, a guest spot in that series, CBC yeah. show. Then you had a guest role in a Paramount series called Mayor of Kingstown mm -hmm. alongside Jeremy Renner. Renner? Renner? Renner. 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 Yeah. Okay. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. From Avengers, basically. Yeah. So this is his show. And I mean, I saw the scene that you guys are in together. I know there's one scene in particular where you're in the car. And it's yeah. very dramatic. It's on your IG. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah. dude. 
you're basically an Avenger now. I mean, you're you're working with the Avengers. Hey. This is a big deal. Yeah. Okay. We'll be a Muslim man. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. He's a new Muslim Avenger. Okay. Then you had a guest role on another CBC series called Overlord and the Underwoods. Yep. And your most recent credit that I can see in terms of stuff that's already been published is the character of Logan in this series, Heartland. Yes. And Heartland's a big deal as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shout out to all the Heartland uh, fans out there. I'm sure a lot of people might recognize you because you look a lot more recent, right? That's, that, yeah. uh, you know, that's a series that you've done recently, so yeah, it does sure. look more like you. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the stuff obviously was from when you were a kid, Yeah. right? So some stuff people may not even recognize. Uh, but then that's just your acting. We didn't even talk about your theater. Yeah. Dude, yeah. <laughs> that's just the stuff for TV and film. I know right now you must hate this whole thing, but look, it's important. <laughs> People should know. Uh, you also starred in the Broadway production of Les Miserables. Yeah, Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Mis. We'll call it Les Mis. Les Mis. My French is not great. Everyone knows Les Mis. It's a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Who were you in that? I was Gavroche. Gavroche. Yes. Is that a main? I, don't, I haven't seen it. Oh, that. okay. Okay. He's like, uh, he's like, the street dog kid of the whole show. Yeah, he goes, he's throughout the whole show. And then right. he's basically like not supposed to be fighting, but is fighting in the war and uh, ends up, well, the spoiler, spoiler, <laughs> but don't watch it anyway. So okay. spoiler, uh, <laughs> he ends up dying uh, at the end. Big dramatic death. Okay, but you're still alive. So that's all that I'm matters. Still alive. Okay. And then you were in this production called Jacob Tutu. Yes. Who did you play in Jacob Tutu? I played Jacob. <laughs> Yeah. So you're, you're Jacob and Jacob Tutu. Yes, yeah, so an original, an original, uh, what was that one original? No, I'm lying. I, I, I don't mind. know. I'm I wasn't there. You would know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then you had this little national Broadway US tour of Matilda. Yeah. Who did you play I, in Matilda? I played Tommy. Um, okay. One of the ki- one of the eight kids mm-hmm. in the in the show. And then uh, I was understudy for Bruce, the big, uh, the big boy who eats, the, who cake. eats the cake. Yes. All right. Yes. So and that was on the road for nine months. Yeah. So we were on the road for three, mm. and then came to Toronto, and we're in Toronto for six months straight. Which theater was that in Toronto? Do you remember? Uh, Ed Mervish. Wow. Ed Mervish. Yeah. That's yeah. a big theater. Eight here. shows a week. Yeah. Crazy. Eight shows a week. Yeah. Allahu Akbar. Okay. Then you had a principal role in the hockey sweater in yeah. Montreal, which is an award-winning musical on the award-winning book. So mm-hmm. it's based off a book. That's about, what, what is that about? Yeah, it's about a, a hockey team. It's actually based, uh, yeah, it's based An on award-winning that uh, true award-winning story. true book, yeah, mm-hmm. and story um, about this magic hockey sweater, um, mm. this kid that's uh, a part of the team, the main character. And then uh, it actually takes place, though. We, we do the whole entire film on rollerblades. Wow. Uh, so not the film, the, the show. The show, yeah. the actual play. Yeah. So you did the whole thing on rollerblades. Yeah. And then you had uh, another spot in the musical Wally Flynn. Yeah. So Wally Flynn um, was, uh, I, I was the workshopping. So the original, it's an original show, original show about uh, a young boy whose parents pass away and kind of his experiences going through that. Mm. And so I was the original workshopped Wally Flynn. Um, wow. Yeah, so that was a different experience altogether. Okay, well, look, we're going to break down these credits, okay, a little bit later on, because I think there's a lot to digest here in terms of, mashallah, at your young age, you're only 19 years old, and all these accomplishments. I mean, this is, you know, I was telling my friends that at your age now, you have more work experience than I do at my age. (laughs) You're 19, you've been grinding away, like, on real sets since you were six years old. Uh, you have more on your resume than uh, most adults in the industry. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. Um, so I guess the main question everybody wants to know is how did you discover Islam? Like what, yeah. what in your journey? I mean, you're living on this higher echelon of actors and you're in Hollywood. Like what 
made you want to search towards Islam as a way of life? Yeah, I think I've always been uh, somebody who values the truth, you know, mm. and obviously that sounds like a very obvious statement that everybody should hold true to. But, you know, it's not the case with everybody. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of the times there's this talk of, you know, my truth or subjective truth. Um, but a lot of people, whether they actually take the time to think about it or not, do believe in an objective truth. And I think I've always been someone that values, you know, searching for it and trying to be as close to it as possible, mm. especially the truths that actually impact our life the most. But, um, you know, the way that I started kind of searching into Islam, searching about Islam or even religion in general, was I had a friend of mine who is Jewish, actually. Mm. Um, he uh, asked me kind of what my opinion was on God and religion. And at the time, I was very... Uh, kind of nonchalant about it, just brushed it off. It just, I mean, maybe there's a God, maybe there isn't, but we don't know. There's no proof. Mm. Uh, there's no way to know. And so why would we search for it? And that was kind of my stance and opinion, as was the stance and opinion of everybody around me, mm. um, or at least most of my friends and my family. Uh, and so I got home that night, and it, that question, when I realized, I started like focusing on it more and more, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And I started to realize that I believed these things. I believed there was no evidences or proofs. I believed that there was no way to know for sure um, without actually doing my own research. Mm. I only believed these things because people around me, society around me, forced that on me, right? SubhanAllah. Um, SubhanAllah. So I decided to uh, do my own research, you know, take my opinion into my own hands. Um, and so it really started with just looking for look and listening to the theories um, for and against the existence of God and so the before, Creator. So before this, you didn't have a religion. Your family didn't necessarily no practice a particular faith. Yeah, right? no, no. So so this was so you were just coming at it like very much non-biased. You didn't have any stake in the game. You're yeah. just trying to understand the truth for yourself. Exactly. No, no bias whatsoever. I mean, we all have unknown biases. Right. Um, but from from the outside, I was purely my goal was a search for whatever the objective truth is. Um, that was it. Um, and so I assumed, honestly, starting this thing, I said, you know, there's a possibility that by the end of this, I'll believe that in, in a God, in mm. the existence of God. I thought for 100% sure that there's no way that you're going to tell, tell me that I'm religious. Like, mm. I, th I thought, okay, I'll go, I'll search for this so that I can say I've done it. And then... You know, I'll just leave it and I'll be good. You know? So at least you can justify why mm -hmm. you don't believe in something. Exactly. So the next time someone asks me and has a different opinion, I can say, well, this is why. Because if somebody started to debate me beforehand on God, on religion, I would just say, look, I don't want to talk about this. Like, you can't prove it. So get out of my face, you mm -hmm. know. But I started to realize that I should have more basis and more standing on my opinion, especially one that shapes my entire life, mm -hmm. my worldview, everything. Um so, yeah, so I first started looking into, you know, the theories for God's existence, a creator of the universe, whether that actually has some substantial uh, evidences or proofs or reasons behind it, or if it's just something that humans made up to comfort themselves, which is my initial opinion. Mm. Um, and, you know, the more that I started to do research on these issues and listen to these debates and watch different videos, listen to talks and read articles and books, I started to realize like there's a lot of inconsistency in the atheist uh, 
in the atheist doctrine and mindset. Mm. And I started to realize that there seem it seems like it's a more actually it's a more logical and rational opinion that there probably is a creator of the universe as the way that we got here today, as the way that trees are the way trees are and the mm. sky and birds are the way the birds are um, and the way the human is in general. Um, and so once I decided, OK, there's probably a God that doesn't mean religion's true or anything like that, but mm -hmm. there's probably a creator of the universe. Now, let me just go listen to these people claiming to know who that creator is and kind of go through each of these people, each of these religions, especially mainly the major ones, mm -hmm. and kind of hear what they believe, why they believe it, and their, re and their reasons, right? And if I can find flaws in their reasons, different, if I f can pick holes at those and find, you know, things wrong with it, then, you know, I'll move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. So who did you start off with? I Who's the first target? <laughs> the, the first target was Christianity. Allah Akbar. Okay. Uh, and just, so what did you what did you start looking into? Like Yeah, I, I started looking into, number one, just the claims, right? Mm -hmm. What do Christians believe? I mean, just that on its own. You know, obviously we have respect for uh, everybody. Of course, of course. But just that on its own, uh, I started to realize, okay, well, there's like 500 different things that Christians believe just being Christian, you know, um, but the main things were, you know, Isa or Jesus being the son of God, mm -hmm. um, the, the idea of the Trinity, you know, uh, a father, son and a Holy Spirit. Um, and so, you know, even though those things seemed just on a like when served to me on a plate, they seemed irrational. Just the idea that there's three in one and all three are all powerful, but only one are all powerful. Mm. Um that didn't seem right. But if that was the truth, then I would accept it. You know, I, I'm never going to claim that I could fully understand and conceptualize who our creator is. Mm. And so if this is actually the truth, then, you know, I'll accept the fact that I have limited knowledge and wisdom. Right. Mm. So I started to look more into, OK, why do Christians believe this? What what do they actually have substantiating their belief that Jesus is the son of God and that Jesus is God or any of these things mm. or Jesus is even a person at all? Mm. Right. Um, and so I started to look into the Bible, the history of the Bible, the teachings of the Bible, what's, what actually was said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and you know, I did find it very interesting and actually quite convincing right off the bat. Mm. Um, but there were still things that I had trouble with, like the fact that we don't have a consistent line or, or chain of, you know, narrations or anything from the time of Isa's life from the time of Jesus until now, we have nothing really confirming that what we're reading is even accurate, right? Mm. We don't know who Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John even are. They don't have last names. They are essentially people that, you know, we have no idea anything about. Mm. Um, and, you know, the changes in the Bible that occurred over time, all of these things slowly started to deter me away from it. However, I did see the merit in a lot of things as well, right? Like the fact that, you know, um, there's these are all different accounts of the same person's life, mm. Isa Salam's life, all saying the fact that, you know, he preached a similar message. He performed miracles. Mm. He did all these things. And so while there were certain things that I couldn't necessarily explain, um, there were certain things that pushed me away from Christianity itself. 
And the more that I kind of uh, did that, I kind of accepted it as, okay, there's a possibility that this is true, but it doesn't seem like it can be 100% the truth. Mm -hmm. So let me step away from that, go do some more research on other things, you know, and then come back to it. So I went over to... Uh, to do my due diligence and go through Hinduism, Judaism, so, some of the other religions like that. Mm. Um, and with those, uh, <laughs> look, I, I'm, I don't, I have no intent to be like, you know, disrespect for no, everybody, no, no. right? 100%. I found that a lot of the time the, these religions ha lacked a lot of the time a rational, uh, the ability to rationally begin to believe in something, mm. right? Like even just to a little side tangent, right? Like this word Iman versus faith, this idea that those words are actually uh, like the same mm. isn't really true. And a lot of time in the English language, the word faith is like miss is kind of a terrible word to use because it simply just means blindly following something without reason or evidences. Mm. And I was not willing to put, have blind faith. That mm. was not something that I wanted. And a lot of the time I found that these religions they required you to do that. Mm. They required you to like the teachings um, and then say, okay, I like the teaching, so I'll believe it's true. Mm. Or this feels good, so I'll believe it's true. Right. And that wasn't something that I was interested in. If I, if I came to the conclusion that the truth was that the world meant absolutely nothing, when we die, we're dead forever and there's no next life, there's nothing whatsoever, and the whole world is meaningless, I would have accepted that and found the next best course of action mm. right but um i found that there didn't seem to be very much ration behind these religions mm. so i kind of actually started to go back to christianity again mm. um and just pick at it a little bit more and right around that time that i started to do that i began seeing all these muslim christian debates oh yeah we like to debate oh yeah <laughs> we yeah. want all the smoke <laughs> yeah so i saw i saw those muslim christian debates and a lot of the time they were on who was Jesus, who mm. is Isa Salam. You know, Muslims have what they believe Isa to be or who they believe Isa Salam to be. And Christians have who they believe Isa Salam to be. Mm. And I wanted to go from I, I didn't want to use the Quran as the um, as the actual merit on which Muslims believed what they believed if they believed that Isa alayhi salam was in fact just a messenger and prophet, not just, but you know, mm -hmm. a messenger, a prophet of, of God and the Messiah. Right. Then I wanted to actually see if that at all could fit into the Bible. Like, mm. could it? You know, because if it can't, then I, I would have some troubles seeing how they got some whole new narrative from, you know, what, what we already have, which is, was in my opinion at the time more accurate, right? Mm hmm. Um, and the more I started to do research, like unbiased research into the Bible, really just looking at what does the Bible actually say? You know, Isa alayhi salam, he taught us or he taught everybody to, you know, not eat pork. Mm. He, he's depicted wearing, a, I know that's wrong in Islam, of course, mm. um, but, you know, he's depicted by the Christians wearing a white thobe, has a long beard. Mm. He places his head on the ground and Allah prays Allah. to the father. Mm. Um, you know, none knows the hour, but God, mm. he says that, you know, mm. these are, the, he goes to a tree and he, he, it looks as though there's food on the tree until he gets close to the tree and then realizes there isn't food. You know, these, these things kept coming together and I was like, okay, this, if this is God, I, 
how, why is he praying to God? Why is he, why is he not know when the hour is? Why does he not know that the tree has food until he gets there? You know, mm. these are not the attributes of an all-knowing creator of the universe. Subhanallah. Um, subhanallah. So when I started to realize that, you know, the Muslims doctrine of who Isa salam really is seemed closer to closer to the truth than Christians I kind of veered away from Christianity and took a little look into Islam because at the end of the day this could all be hearsay and lies anyways you mm -hmm. know I, I I was still at that point where I was ready uh, it didn't mean that okay Christianity is not the truth Islam has to be the truth I was really just like Christianity might not be the truth doesn't mean Islam is the truth. It could just be that they got the version of Isa salam closer to what it really is. Mm. Um, so I started to look into Islam, finally. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so you saved Islam for last? I saved Islam for last. Wow. Not even intentionally. Mm. Islam was not even on my radar. It really, it wasn't something that I even thought of as like worth looking into, to be honest. Mm. Um, SubhanAllah. So... Yeah, so I started with Islam, and uh, you know, seven months later, I'm here. But we'll, we'll get, we'll Wait, get to we'll, a big jump there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get. So okay, so you start, you start looking into Islam, and yeah. by the way, this is a testament to the fact that you can learn anything from YouTube nowadays. Woo. This is all from YouTube, YouTube and Google. Yeah, Allah Akbar. YouTube, Google. So you are going yeah. down this deep hole now. And yeah. this is your friend had this conversation with you when? Let's put a timeline to it. Yeah, okay. So I got back from filming. You were filming November. in November. Yeah, okay. I was filming in Calgary in November. You got back to Toronto. Got back at the end of November. He, I, I saw him that first November day. November 2022. I should put this out there. 2022, yes. Yeah. So he saw, so I saw him that like second day that I got back. He asked me that question. I got home and I started searching then. And then from about November to beginning slash mid of february early february it was just research and i would spend six to eight hours every single day basically i mean essentially locked in my room my parents thought that I there was something wrong with me <laughs> but i mean before it was just i would be in the basement you know playing video games or hanging out or talking to people mm. and then now i was just in my room you know so like on a deep dive deep dive rabbit that holes. like nobody and nobody else knew what was happening nobody nobody my so my friend that initially asked me i told them you know i'm starting to kind of go on this search and journey um and he was excited and happy for me mm. you know um that was the only person i really told because i didn't think it was you know i thought i was going to come out of it just like because th this wasn't the first time that I had really done a deep dive onto things. Mm -hmm. I've done lots of deep dive and rabbit holes into politics, into, you know, psychology, into, uh, you know, anthropology, sociology, how humans interact with each other. Right. Mm. Like these are all things that I actually valued and found important to know so that I could have an opinion that would shape how I existed in the life, in my life. And, mm. you know, um, so it wasn't as though it was like this was a new thing. This was just the next uh, rabbit hole that I was going on under into and realized that it was the most important one. I, had, I couldn't believe that I had left it until this long. But subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided me. Allah Akbar. So no, hold on, hold on. Yeah, we know you got guided. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. But let's go back a notch. So yeah, yeah. So you're doing this deep dive. You're watching these debates. Uh, what are some of the topics or, or things within Islam that started to pique your interest? Like, what are sure. some of the things that you heard that you're like, oh, this is interesting? Sure. So, first, it was that stuff about who is Isa, mm. right? That was like number one. Um, after that, after I decided, okay, 
seems like Muslims have a stronger sense of the reality of who Jesus was. Um, next, I would say it was really just this the, the number one thing, which was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's challenge for us, right? Um, to find a contradiction in the in the book, right? In Quran in the Quran. Mm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, had this book been from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah, then you would have found many contradictions in it. And so that is literally a invitation to everybody. That's an open challenge. It's an open challenge. Find a contradiction in this book. Mm. You know? Um and so there is there is like billions of people online that think that they found contradictions mm. or try and try and portray it. Um, and so I gave them all the time of day, honestly. I went literally, proof the Quran is wrong. That was my search pretty much every single day. And I would just be searching and scrolling, listening to this person's claims. And a lot of the time, they're not actual debates, right? And this is the thing is a lot of people that speak bad about Islam, they do it from the comfort of their room with nobody around where they can spew as many lies as they want mm. and they can't get called out for it. And no one can challenge them. No one can challenge you. And so it begin, it, it got really hard to, uh, to cipher through these things efficiently, but I had to do it because I needed to make sure that I wasn't getting, you know, I wasn't ever being misled or being, you know, spewed information that was wrong. I would listen to somebody's claims against Islam, however ridiculous they might be now that I look back on them. I would listen to them. And then I would go search for the counter argument to that. And when I and a lot of the time there were response videos. The most popular ones had response videos directly to them. Uh, but some of the less popular ones, I had to literally search and search for hours just to find the, the proof against it. And then when I found that proof against it, I would go back to the other side and I would listen to the other side's dispute of the proof against it. And I would oh. just be doing this back and forth for one ayah. Of the Quran. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> SubhanAllah. And then I would move on to the next one when I realized, okay, this one, this one seems like there's no issue here. You know? Mm. It doesn't seem like So after how many of these, you know, trial and error search, incorrect, correct, like because <laughs> at a point at some point you started keeping tally, right? You started mm. saying, like, okay, there's one proof here, two proofs, three. At one point did you feel like, oh man, something's happening here? Yeah, well the thing is is like I only need one I only needed one to disprove it. Mm. Um, right? I only need one contradiction. And I need every I need a hundred percent it to be no contradiction. I only need one singular contradiction wow. to be the to, to disprove to, it. To disprove it. And so it I really was I it really didn't matter how many, you know, it wasn't like a thing where, okay, this isn't a contradiction, this isn't, this isn't. Because it didn't matter. Because if there's one along the line, mm. then it disproves all of the rest. So you were just looking for a contradiction. I was looking for one. Just one. If I found one, I would be happy. Um, and how, did you find anything? No, no, it took, I mean, it took forever, right? I literally got to the bottom of searches on Google and YouTube. There's a like, bottom? Th there is a bottom. Eventually, like after page three, four, five, six on Google, Wow. you, you get, you can't, uh, there's like, no more search. You can't go past it. I was literally getting to the point where I was watching videos with two views. Some <laughs> guy in the, in the backyard just saying, this is why Islam is false. And, you know, it's like, it was wow. that. It was that deep of a search because I didn't want, you know, I, I took everybody's opinion. Now I see it as like, why would you take everyone's opinion as equal? You know, mm. there's people knowledgeable. I should have just listened to them. Um, but alhamdulillah, I mean, you didn't know it at the time. Alhamdulillah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah um, at that time, I'm just looking for anything. Uh, so subhanAllah. So I couldn't find a contradiction in the Quran. 
And that didn't necessarily prove that the Quran was true or that Islam was true. It just proved that, okay, there's no contradiction. Somebody, either this is from God or somebody really took the time to think through this and write it. Mm. But how could the person who took the time to think through this and write it be an illiterate man in the desert? Allah. Subhanallah. And that was, <sighs> you know, I, I uh, that was one of the things that was like, a lot of the time we hear, we think about prophets or we think about religious figures as these fairy tales that people just blindly put their faith in. But we have chains of narration dating right back to the life of the Prophet Muhammad We have the Quran carbon dated back to just around his death. And, and depending on who you talk to, they might even say it's during the life of the Prophet Muhammad Right? Like, this is a ver it's a verifiable fact by Muslims and non-Muslims alike, scholars um, that have studied this. Historians. You know, historians. Mm -hmm. That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he was, he existed. Yes. You know, he, this isn't like some fictional character that we can just say, oh, maybe he didn't exist. Mm -hmm. It's also a verifiable fact that from multiple different people's, uh, you know, narrations, he was illiterate. He could not read or write. Right. These there are multiple things that like we can historically verify better than 90 percent of the things that were taught in our history books in school. Mm -hmm. And that's just the uh, most of the philosophers that we that, that are like like, you know, essentially, you know, idolized in in, you know, uh, philo philosophy mm -hmm. and in my philosophy classes. You don't have any you don't even have things that this guy wrote, mm -hmm. and, but you're speaking about his like philosophies and what he spoke about and his influences over the world, you don't even have proof he existed, you know? SubhanAllah. Subhanallah. But we have proof that Muhammad sallallahu existed. Mm. Um, and so that was, uh, that was step one. Number two was kind of during that time of looking through these contradictions, a lot of them kind of tried to point to, look, the, here the Quran says something that doesn't match up with science that we have today. And this was a thing that I... This was one of the largest issues that I kind of found um, and one of the biggest dilemmas that I had, right? This idea about scientific uh, miracles in the Quran. Mm. Because on one hand, I would watch a lot of Muslims that would say like, oh, look, this is this scientific miracle proves that the Quran is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like it speaks about this. And this is how we, we've come to find out 1,400 years ago, 1,500 years later, that this is true. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, the second that something slightly maybe didn't really make sense with our, the scientific understanding of today, then the Muslim would say, well, science changes, so we can't verify that. And so I had this kind of dilemma where I was like, well, are we taking science as, are we taking science as the truth or are we not? Mm -hmm. And the more that I started to think about it more and more, there are things that are that we can say 100% with certainty are fact in science, mm -hmm. or at least 99.999% are certain fact. And we have things that are less probable mm -hmm. or are less likely to be 100% true. Like the theory of evolution is simply a theory that it would be very hard to, it'll to be impossible to right. prove. Right. You know, you can't do it unless you have a time machine. Mm. Um, and so when the Quran speaks, and, and gives a narrative that, you know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us how we actually originated, um, 
now, obviously, that is everything in the Quran is a million times more valuable than science. But of course, at the time, as a non-Muslim, you don't really mm. sit, you don't really value that. But still, I I decided that okay, I would take science and the scientific miracles with a grain of salt. And when I started to do that and really value the scientific miracles in the Quran as a proof of evidence, evidences of the Quran being from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I mean, that was one of the that was one of the things that just blew me away. Like I had a list, I had a list on my phone of just like all of the things that the Quran speaks about that we have now come to learn and realize. And I started to realize that this wisdom, this knowledge, this come, this can't have been known by a man in the desert. SubhanAllah. Like, you know, even, even one of the more basic ones, like the fact that in in the surah about the bees, you know, mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the bees and their their many and they create their many benefits. They create honey and they go and, you know, pollinate mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And throughout the whole time, um, he's speaking about them in the feminine. All these words are in the feminine. And at that time, I mean, you number one, you think the it's a king bee, just mm. out of, you know, the humans oh, sexist own, yeah. way of thinking. Yeah. yeah. And and then on top of that, you you just wouldn't even I mean you couldn't even know a gender of a bee, like yeah. unless you were like unless you had these scientific uh technologies that we have today. Mm. Um and now we come to find out that all the worker bees are female, that it's actually a queen bee, right? And so these are things that now we have the verifiable facts about that were spoken about uh, fifteen hundred years ago. Mm. And there they, I had just a list. And after a certain point, I got to a point where I was like, there's a list of like 50 or 60 of these things that I've figured that I've realized align with reality today. Is it more likely that they're all coincidence mm. or is it more likely that this is actually a divine book? And wh- when I started to add up all of these things, right, no contradictions, all of these miracles, the life of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and the, the persecution that he went under, the trials that he went through, the things that he was offered to stop preaching Islam, mm. to stop spreading Islam. He was offered kingdoms, women, gold, anything that you could think of that a man would want to fulfill his desires with. Um, you know, he was offered these things just to stop. But he said, no, you know, there's there's a greater, he had a greater purpose here and he had a message that he needed to spread and he had a duty to spread. Um and subhanAllah. So all those things combined uh, just really pointed to the fact that there is no way that this could not be true. Mm. And so I came out of it, basically. My last and final thing before all of this was, if I have gotten to this point where it's this obvious, like at this point, I've established the fact that there there's like uh, closest to 100% of of surety that you could possibly have, I had it, you know, at that point. And my only thing left was really like, how is the whole world not Muslim? How is there somebody who goes through all of this and comes out the other end of it without believing? And that was actually my biggest problem. I was like, either this is true and everybody else is an idiot or or I've been brainwashed, you know, that was... Those were my two options, right? I've been brainwashed into believing something through some 
I don't even know, hypnosis or something. But here's the funny thing. You were doing all this research on your own. Exactly. <laughs> you didn't have somebody like, yeah. this is why I think it's hilarious because it's, you didn't have that pressure, that friend, that someone who's in your ear. Oh, you should learn this and debating with you. This is all happening in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Subhanallah. So I, I mean, I, th- I thought maybe the videos that I were watching were brainwashing me in some way, you know, or influencing me to believe something or all of these different things, you know, hmm. um, I was trying to reassess whether I did have biases coming into it. I I really like started to like stress out because I got I went from a point with four months ago not believing that God existed or not even sure if God existed to believing with almost 100 percent certainty that (laughs) that Islam was the true was the way of life was the true was the truth, Hmm. you know. Um, And so my final thing was really like, let me speak to people. You know, so I'd speak to my parents, I'd speak to my friends, I would speak to different people about Islam and the things that I was learning. Mm-hmm. And I would almost, it was almost like every time I would say, oh, look at this or listen to this or, you know, uh, look at this miracle in the Quran or, you know, all these different things. It would be like there was a second or maybe a minute or two of their uh, like extreme infatuation with it. You know, they were like wow that's really interesting uh, and they wanted to learn a little bit more and then maybe like 20 minutes later it would just be pushed away or the next day that i would speak to them it would be like i don't want to talk about this anymore you mm. know or it, there would just be like a barrier put up and i just started to realize that not everybody has the same not everybody has the same desire to follow the truth you know or to to find the truth if it's not comforting to them, you know? And I think I think that was something that I started to realize is that there are people that would rather live in delusion if it's a comforting lie than be told the harsh truth. Mm. Um, and I, oh, I've never been that person. I think long before looking into religion or anything, I've never been that person. Um, and so I think I had like already, you know, a natural disposition or fitra, whatever, you know? Fitra, 100%, fitra. brother. Um, I had a natural disposition to ponder and reflect and to think about these things and to come to a, you know, a certainty on something. Um, And so that was the point where I said, okay, you know, at this point I've, I've exercised every possible option. Um, I've tried my best to disprove this and I can't do it. Now I'm either denying what I know to be the truth, kufr, Mm. or... I need to accept Islam. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you decided to accept Islam. How? Yeah. Because uh, at that point, you still haven't really interacted with Muslims. Yeah, yeah. So the first time that I did it, it was uh, I took my Shahada. I was literally... I, so at the time, I was kind of right at the time where I was like, okay, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready, you know. I then I started to go on another deep dive, right? Mm-hmm. And I started to be like, maybe I've been brainwashed, and you know, all these waswas started to come back into mm-hmm. my head again. And so I was finally, I was watching this speaker's corner video, um, and then, and the one point that I had left in my head was was addressed in the video, and actually in the video itself, the person takes shahada, the person, mm-hmm. the other debater is taking shahada, and so I just said it along with the guys. <laughs> 
So your shahada was from a YouTube video. Yeah, literally. So the guy was giving shahada to somebody else, and you said, "Khalas, let me just join along and yeah. become Muslim." I as paused well. the video and I searched online. I was like, "Is it a fard or is it a requirement or a pillar of the shahada to be, you know, in people. front of uh, with people, wow. you know, live?" And I started to just search, make sure. And the most authentic opinions that I was reading were saying that it's not a fard. It was just a natural practice because how else how would else you know how to take shahada, you know? <laughs> um, and so then I said, okay, then I guess I'm going to be Muslim now. And so <laughs> so then I pressed play on the video and said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Allahu Akbar. Okay, so now you have accepted Islam as a way of life, as a truth. Yeah. What's next? What's the next thing that happens? The next thing that happened, you took shahada, whatever day it was. What what's the next day like? The next day was really like, okay, now it's time for me to. I guess, I guess this is the truth. Now I gotta act upon it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean anything to just say la ilaha illallah. You know, if your actions don't change whatsoever, you know, it means literally nothing. Hmm. Uh, it's just words. A, a non-Muslim can say la ilaha illallah and them not even know what the words mean. It doesn't make them Muslim, right? Right. Um, and so I was like, okay, I guess let me learn what it actually means to be Muslim. Because I, like, literally all I knew about Islam before accepting Islam, like, from a standpoint of the teachings and the way of life and the practices, all I knew was Muslims pray mm -hmm. at certain points of the day. I didn't even know it was five. They, Muslims pray at certain points of the day. Um, Muslim women have to wear hijab. And that was it. Fasting for Ramadan, right. I knew that. Uh, yeah, that was literally it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started to do actually research on what this religion actually means. What are the rules? What, what are the I rules? Do? What do I got to do? Yeah. You know, what does it actually mean to be a Muslim? Right. Um, and you know, I'd heard like things here and there from, from the videos that I was watching mm -hmm. coming up to it. But most of the videos that I was watching were on evidence-based, pr like evidence proofs, right. historical accuracies, all of these things. They had nothing to do with really the teachings of Islam, right, the right? day to day. Because I didn't care about that. Mm -hmm. If it's from, if it's from God, it's from God. If it's from an all-knowing Creator, then I'm, you know, my hands are up, which is what Islam means, right? Full submission to mm. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And so, I was just like, it didn't really matter what the teachings were when it came to whether I was going to accept the religion or not. So you already accepted that if this is really from God, I'll do whatever. Yeah, I'll do whatever it says. I mean. Uh, 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 or at least to the best of my abilities. Well, we, you know? I mean, I need to stress that point because it's ironic because a lot of born Muslims, quote unquote, like we know these things, we yeah. know what we're supposed to do, and we know it's from the divine, and yet we still don't really, you know, but subhanAllah, just back to your story, right? No, yeah. So now you're starting to learn the the everyday fiqh of life, Yeah. right? What's what's the first thing that you, you got to figure out how to master? Well, of course, Allah, right? Mm. Um uh, the more that I was reading and listening, that's like the most important thing, you know, like uh, all of your other sins are, aren't even don't even compare to missing Salah and mm -hmm. Shirk, of course. Mm -hmm. But aside from Shirk, missing Salah, like can't like you can't do it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so I was like, OK, well, I don't even know how to do this. But at that point, I really was not ready. I really think that idea of being in a room by yourself and putting your head on the ground for something you can't see you know uh you know especially when my whole entire life was was 
basically, I, I believed that all of these people are delusional people looking for comforting lies. I believed that I believed that the religious people were the ones looking for comforting lies. Mm. And then I got to the point where it was the opposite. I believed mm. that the atheists and the non-religious people and the non-Muslims were the ones looking for comforting lies. Wow. SubhanAllah. Um, but growing up my whole entire life like that is like, you know, we think about it as like, why are you, why are you, you know, praying to a, an invisible man? That's really what, what you think about when you see people praying mm. um, as a non-Muslim. And that realization that now I actually have to do what I ridiculed people for doing. If I, if I saw myself five months ago in the situation that I am right now with my head on the ground, I would literally laugh at myself. I would get so scared that I got brainwashed or something, right? Mm. So prayer was one of the hardest things. And so the first day I, like, I couldn't bring myself to even think about it. You know, I was learning other things, of course, and trying to just hear, hear, listen to different people. Right. It's like brand new for me. And that same night, I remember I went back again. You know, Shaitan came for me right away. And he was like, you know, maybe you made a, maybe I made a mistake. I started to think wow. maybe I really did make a mistake. And I got brainwashed into believing this somehow, even though I knew I didn't get brainwashed. It was like I. I it, this can't I can't do this this isn't my life you know mm. and so I went back again I started doing research and searching and and going on YouTube for that whole entire night I, I was up so late like uh till like 3 4 a.m in the morning and I went to sleep that night and I was just like God you know please before I went to sleep I literally just I knew that Muslims go like this to make dua right mm. so I I basically made dua I was like God please I, I need help. That was literally it. I, just, I need help, you know? And so I went to bed and uh, I had a dream that I like, it's literally so vivid in my head. It felt like a lucid dream, you know, like I had control over my entire body while I was in the dream. Um, and essentially the dream last felt like it lasted for hours and hours on end. Basically I was in a room um, and I had these armed guards around me is a building like a fairly large room i had these armed guards like surrounding me with these guns um and i would uh essentially i would try to escape you know i would hide under here run around try and get to the exit of the building and when i got to the door right when it looked like i was about to escape then a guard would come back and stand in front of me and i would fear for my life but they wouldn't shoot me or anything they would just walk me back to the center of the the building the room um and then that happened over and over again. I felt I was like sweating in the dream. I woke up in a sweat as well. But I, I it felt like for hours and hours on end. And I just didn't know what to do. Like I actually felt trapped in this dream. I was genuinely stressed. Um, and then eventually after time and time again of me running around and getting stopped and brought back to the center of the room, it just like a light. Well, a light bulb <laughs> came in on my on top of my head. Mm. <laughs> I was like, an idea literally dawned on me, and I just realized what I needed to do. I put my head on the ground. In the dream. In the dream, I put my head on the ground, um, like in prostration, and then woke up that same instant. Um, subhanallah. And I looked at my phone, and it was Fajr time. Wow. Literally, only an hour and a half had passed. And subhanallah. So I went literally to the corner of my room. Looked for the direction of the Qibla um, and then uh, and then 
Yeah. I didn't really know what to do. Well, like, to how did you, yeah. How did you pray? I, I just, I knew Allahu Akbar. And so I did this and this, and then just stood there saying, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah. Like I knew, I knew those basic things. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then after that, I just put my head on the ground. I didn't know anything about Rukur or anything like that. Um, then that same day I learned how to pray, like searched up how to pray and properly learned all those things. I, I obviously didn't learn a fatiha in a day, mm-hmm. but um, I learned it actually in English first. Mm-hmm. So I learned like surat al-fatiha. I learned all of the surahs that I know and everything that I know in English first. And then basically slowly would learn the Arabic for different things mm. and <laughs> put them in. Wow. You know, so like sometimes I would have like half of my salah would be in English and half would be in Arabic. But hey, bro, that's the best you could have done. Yeah. Right. And this is again in a vacuum. Yeah. On still your own. in a vacuum. Yeah. Subhanallah. Wow. I, I actually incredible. had a real like, I think I still had a real something about going to the masjid, something about, you know, speaking to people almost was still scary to me. Mm-hmm. Almost felt like now I'm like. Even though nobody's gonna know who I am, now I'm like publicly now it's announcing. Real. Now it's real. Mm. You know, I could be in my room and nobody knows that I'm Muslim. Mm. If I go out there and I start, you know, going to the masjid and speaking to people or whatever, now it's real. Mm. And I think there was a real big fear of judgment that I had, um, mainly from the fact that I had my own judgments of religious people from beforehand, mm. right? And so I almost placed that view. On to everybody else. as like, w- they're all going to think that I'm brainwashed. They're all going to think I'm an idiot and delusional. Like, these are all things that I'm just thinking. Um, yeah, so subhanAllah. So I started to learn, you know, first in English and then the Arabic, uh, the, the everything, you know, mm-hmm. um, which was really beneficial because then when I finally got to the point where I could, like, recite everything and say everything in in Arabic, I knew exactly what I was saying. You knew saying. the meaning. And so it really, it really improved like khushu in the prayer as well. Wow. Inshallah. Um, so now yeah. you've become Muslim. You're starting to learn <laughs> some of the basic fiqh. Yeah. You had a friend. Yes. <laughs> Talk about this because this, everything that happened in your story is like there's there's no coincidence. Obviously, yeah. this is from the qadr of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Yes. What happened with your friend? Yeah. So actually, before seeing my friend, I uh, I was actually already in Indonesia for Ramadan. Okay. So. So, um, so basically, uh, but anyway, so I can talk about the friend first. I'll, sure, do, I'll sure. do that first. Yeah, yeah. However you want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's okay. So I had a friend, um, uh, from high school. We weren't really that close to be honest. He, I've always saw him. I always thought he was like a cool guy, you know? And also you weren't really in high school. That's the other w- thing. Yeah. I yeah. You were yeah. basically a working actor. Yeah. So, so you spent like how many, how much time did you actually spend in high school? Yeah. My full, my two full years, I had two full, full years of high school. Plus, I guess one with COVID. Mm-hmm. So I had grade five, um, grade elementary 11. school. So you uh, did so grade five. You were in school. Grade five is my one full year of school in wow. elementary school, and then I had grade eleven was a full year, and grade twelve. And was just because online and stuff, COVID. Yeah. So so you don't really know anyone from school because yeah. you're you're kind of in and out. You're yeah. doing your own thing. Yeah. But you had this um, guy that you knew. Yeah, I had this guy that I knew. We would hang, run ball at lunch and. Mm-hmm. You know, hang out in the library and play video games on the days where it was <laughs> cold and stuff. Right. Um, and he's Muslim. Yeah, he's Muslim. And I kind of I knew he was Muslim mainly because I knew his name. Mm-hmm. You know, Muhammad. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's a pretty telltale sign. Right? Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking about him a lot, and he actually like would reach out to me sometimes, like 
long before I was Muslim, just like, hey, how's it going? I was wondering if you wanted to play pool. Mm. Like, and I was just like, why is this guy messaging me, man? Mm. We're done high school. Like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, so a long time later, after I came to Islam, I was like, oh, I remember Muhammad. Like, I should uh, reach out to him. But I kind of felt like this is super weird. Like, you know, I, I, just to reach out to him and be like, assalamu alaikum. <laughs> I didn't, I, I don't know. At that time, I felt like it was going to be a weird thing to do. Mm. So I was kind of like a bit wishy-washy on it. I never really did it. And then the day that I was like, okay, bro, what's, why wouldn't I do it? Like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Mm. Nothing really. It's just mm. going to be good. So then I reached, I was about to reach out to him. And that same day I opened my Instagram to go to the DMs to message him. And he's messaged me like, yo, Drew, how's it going? And I was like, so just as you were about to message him, he sent you a message. Yeah, yeah. This is like years apart. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. Like literally. Like uh, we don't talk. We never talk. Right. Um, so then I was like, okay, I guess that's a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I should reach out to him. So I'm like, assalamu alaikum. You know, I'm alhamdulillah Muslim now. <laughs> How are you? He's like, are you joking? I'm like, no, alhamdulillah. He thought you were lying? Yeah, yeah. He thought I was joking. Uh. And then, anyways, he realized I was telling the truth. We spoke a little bit over text, but I was in Indonesia at that time. Mm. So I was like, okay, when I get back, um, I'd love to hang or whatever. And subhanAllah, we've become like uh, like this, like super close. Wow. I'm close with this whole family now. Alhamdulillah. I met his father actually the other day. Yeah, he yeah. He spoke very highly of you. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. He's a great, he's a, his, their whole family is amazing. Amazing. MashaAllah. Um, but what are the yeah. odds of that? That like this kid that you knew just kind of came back into your life. He knows you're Muslim now. There's that other connection. A lot of weird things are going on in your life. Actually. Hey, now, uh, uh, I was going to say, uh, I would have thought that's the weirdest thing yeah, until, that's not the weirdest until thing. we get to this story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, before we even jump to that, um, you went to Indonesia. Yes. What was that experience like? So you had yeah. been Muslim for how long now? So I'd been Muslim for about um, two months, a month and a half. Hmm. Um, so I actually had my, my plan, like my trip was planned before I came to Islam, really, I wanted, I just wanted to get away. I hadn't traveled yet, you know. Uh, you know, I had some time off, and I felt like, you know, this is a good time to travel. And you I worked wanted, hard too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I had a a good year of work, yeah. you know. Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let, let, I don't mind taking a little trip off some time before I start back filming again. Mm. So I was like. Uh, at that point, I had picked Bali as my location. I wanted somewhere close to nature, you know, mm. um, a, a different experience of life. Uh, especially it was during the time that I was kind of still researching different religions. I wanted to experience a different culture, even though it's Hindu there. Like, I didn't really care, right? Mm. I just, I wanted to experience a different culture. I wanted to see, like, I started to really realize that this Western idea of, like, chasing money and fame and and this idea that the success is in materialistic gains, I started to realize that idea was actually like flawed. You know, Mm. there's no evidences or proofs behind why we should be doing that with our life. And there's no reason to do it if you go to the dirt and you die with nothing. You know, you can't take your money to the grave. So why would you spend your life with it? You know, focused on it. This is something you figured out at 19. (laughs) <laughs> brother there are people <laughs> on their deathbed at 90 who still haven't figured that out yeah, so you know mashallah tabarakallah so you decide you want to travel yeah you've I already I picked travel. bali i picked bali before mm. um then i come to islam and i'm like i look at the dates that i had picked out and it's the exact dates of ramadan 
mm. not, like minus two days. So I pushed the uh, thing forward two days. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be there for Ramadan, then I want to be in a Muslim country or Muslim, not Muslim country, but Muslim area. I want to be around Muslims. Yeah, I want to be around Muslims. Mm. Um, and so I was searching a little bit and I saw Gili Air, which is this island that's just off the coast, like two hours away from Bali. Mm. Very small island, very secluded. Um, it's known to be like a couple's retreat, like honeymoon mm. type of place, very peaceful, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of exactly what I was looking for. Obviously, I wasn't, didn't have... <laughs> minus a, the honey. Minus the honeymoon. <laughs> the moon minus the honey, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, moon minus the honey. Yeah, okay. Um, the retreat minus the couple. There you go. <laughs> uh, no, so <laughs> I got there. So I decided, okay, that's a good idea to go there. Mm. You know, I'll just be able to relax, really contemplate life, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So... And experience Ramadan around Muslims as well, right? Meet mm. some Muslims. Your first Ramadan. Yeah, my first Ramadan. SubhanAllah. And I think it was also a part of me wanted to get away. Like once I came to Islam, there was a talk of me not going. But mm. I decided, you know, it would be nice for Ramadan to be around other Muslims just because I don't know anybody, mm. right? This is before I spoke to my friend. This is before anything. Right. So I was going to be either alone in my room breaking my fast wow. and and, you know, and doing and reading Quran and everything all day, or I was gonna be in a Muslim country where it would just be a lot easier. I'd be surrounded mm-hmm. by Islam. Um, so I got there, and uh, it exceeded all my expectations. Alhamdulillah, it was a beautiful, beautiful trip. Met so many people. Was at different people's homes for iftar and suhoor. So they accepted you as a Muslim. They, they didn't yeah. ask questions. They didn't. Well, they they at the start I would go go up to people and say Assalamu alaikum. And it would be like, wa alaikum <laughs> What do you want? They've never had, because these people are in on a, like they're on an island. They A lot of them are just living there, locals, right, the whole time. Mm-hmm. They've never had a tourist come and be Muslim. Like they rarely happens. Mm. You know, a lot of the time it's just like couples that come and you're not really going to find many couples that come. <laughs> that are Muslim. That are Muslim. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, they, they kind of like, ushered me in and were obsessed with me too. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I, they embraced you? Yeah, they embraced me. Alhamdulillah. Wow. They were just surprised at the start. Mm. But um, Alhamdulillah, yeah. So I was at different people's homes. I was, you know, I was at the chief of the island's house actually for, wow. for How meals. did you meet the chief of the island, bro? Through his, his son. <laughs> wow. <laughs> at the masjid, yeah. Okay. Alhamdulillah. So um, you start now this journey in Indonesia and Bali area. Yeah. You're, you're around Muslims. You're around yeah. Islamic culture. What's one thing that really kind of like you know, because I think it's underrated that the notion of this ummah and brotherhood. Mm. And like, was that something that kind of threw you off a little bit? The fact that Muslims were that inviting and yeah. wanted you to be in their homes. And because I know that can be a little bit of a culture shock. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It was it was definitely uh, it was a, it was weird. It was like but it was amazing at the same time. It opened my eyes to like so much that we that I've been missing, you know, especially only having a sister. Mm. I always, and my parents know this too, I've always wanted a brother. Like, I've always wanted brotherhood. I think it's something that is so important, you Mm. know, sisterhood as well, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we have a strong group of people that we can, you know, look to peers, older elders, youngers that we can help guide, old elders to guide us, you know, it's, it's so important. And, um... I realized that that's exactly what I was missing. Mm. And I came to Islam. I got to this island and everybody just took me in. Every Like all of these families just inviting me to their homes and stuff was like, I'd never, 
really experienced that. I've only been to like my best friend's homes, you know, mm. right. Um, these are people who did not know you. Didn't they didn't know, know about Netflix. They no. didn't know about Heartland. Nothing. No, none of them knew until like one of the last days that I was there. They didn't know you were an actor. Yeah. No, no, no. They just embraced just, you out of the love just of Just a new Muslim. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's the beauty of Islam, you know. This yeah. is something that I think is, is a very underrated part of our community and our faith, which mm. is that brotherhood and sisterhood yeah. and that notion of the ummah. You know, like we really are connected. We really mm. are, even if it's on that side of the world, wherever, like I feel like I'm connected everywhere. Yeah. You know, I feel like we're good in any country because there's always Muslims, right? Yeah. Muslims are people that will show up and show out for you. For sure. And we take it for granted a lot we as well. We do. You know, I, I noticed that a lot of people take that for granted, This this notion of having somebody that you can trust and, you know, that, that will take you in and show hospitality and barely know you, that is not something that's really common outside no. of Islam. No. Not even in other religions. It's yeah. just, it's just, it, it, there's such an emphasis on brotherhood in Islam mm. that, like, you know, you can't get that somewhere else. And it's not until, and I think that was one of the main things, right, for me especially, is living my entire life without faith, without religion without all of these things and then ha suddenly being just surrounded by it you get like this your eyes are like opened to a whole side of life that you could have never imagined and and the born muslims that i would speak to would be like what do you mean yeah i never thought about it like that <laughs> i'd just be like what do you mean what do you mean this is like this is amazing <laughs> yeah you know it's just it's like anxiety it's like whatever yeah and you went from having no brothers than having one point whatever billion overnight where just people just embrace you and yeah and take you in so okay let's skip a little bit now because sure, sure. i think there's an interesting part which is how we met yes <laughs> okay because that's yeah. also a movie in and of itself it is it is that's it will like, be a movie don't it worry will be. <laughs> yeah i think uh i got denzel playing me i think okay. that's i'm already putting the casting calling out there okay, okay. somebody uh, will work i'm not letting yourself. anybody play me though. <laughs> yeah you gotta play you yeah yeah <laughs> right so now you and I come into contact. It's yeah. a little bit of a stranger backstory, but give yeah. us, give the audience a little bit of a backstory, how you even sure. found out who I was and how we met. Sure, sure. So, um, so it was when I came to Calgary for mm -hmm. filming again. Um, filming Heartland. Yeah, yeah. So I, on the plane ride there, I was listening to uh, a talk, um, basically about one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, Al-Latif, mm. the subtle, right? Mm. And, SubhanAllah, like when I was at the time that I was listening to it, I was really just thinking about how I even came to Islam. You know, the, the, the story of Yusuf was spoken about in this talk about how, you know, it was from when the, at the time when he was in jail, it wasn't a storm or people that raided and broke down the jail or some crazy way that he, he escaped. A simple dream, mm. right? A simple dream that needed to be you know, uh, needed to be uh, explained, explained yeah. um, is how he went from a prisoner to having ruling over this kingdom, right? Mm. Um, so that's all I was thinking about is like the, the relation between that and my friend asking me a simple question, what do you think about religion and God? And, all and me coming to Islam through that, just, just that, you know? And, but then I started to realize like Al-Latif could be everywhere mm. because if, if it's a single moment in time, that makes these huge changes, then that means that every single moment could be that moment that makes that big change. Wow. And so I just started to really conceptualize that and take every single little point or time or opportunity that I could possibly have where 
this could lead to something. Who knows? You know, it's all in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but I should at least act upon it in case there is something great planned for it. Mm. So subhanAllah. So I get to my uh, to my room in Calgary and I decide uh, and I'm looking on for online for the prayer times for Calgary. Mm -hmm. And uh, I click on one of the masjid's websites and I sc I'm scrolling for the prayer times. Like, why is it not the first thing? Isn't that what people care about? But of course, they're selling their fundraisers and stuff, right? He's <laughs> <laughs> learning the truth now. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Anyways, uh -huh. so I, I'm scrolling down. I finally find the prayer times. I stop, but I accidentally scroll a little bit too far. And I see this One Ummah conference in uh, Calgary. Shout out One Ummah conference. Shout out One Ummah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's some free promo for you. No, yeah, yeah. they deserve it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, alhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. um, so I see that. I'm like, okay, what's this about? And it says like conquering your nafs and, you know, um, just bettering yourself to impact the world. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting enough. And I saw this. Maybe it's Al-Latif trying to send me a sign that I should be there, you know? Wow. So I'm like, I, I look at the date and I'm like, oh man, it's the first day that I have off of set and, and mm -hmm. filming. And my days were like, I was filming every single day of the week, packed days. Um, and it, I'm like, okay, I'll just go for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know? Uh, so I, I booked a ticket. Um, at that point, I didn't really care. No offense. I didn't really look <laughs> or care about who was hosting <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that. By yeah. the way, neither do I. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, check either. But yeah, yeah, I was just ahead. like, I don't know. I don't, whatever. I'm just going, you know. Sure. I'm supposed to go. It's, it'll be good, inshallah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so anyways, it gets to the day where I'm supposed to go. And again, I'm like, you know, the West West comes and I'm like, oh, do I, I really don't have to go. You know, I'm so tired or whatever. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll just do it. Let's just go. So I get up, I go, I get to this uh, conference, and what do you know? Brother I'm hosting Bonner's it. Hosting it. Yeah. At that point, that means nothing to me, yeah. but but you know, you're hosting Just it. This guy insulting people in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very bad sense of humor. Yeah. I liked it though. Okay. <laughs> I found it fun. Oh, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, so so you're, uh, you're so I'm hosting. You're the hosting conference. the conference. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting there. I met some brothers that I was sitting next to. Alhamdulillah. And then, um, anyways, there's inter intermission comes, and you decide to you start speaking about your film, uh, Purple Don't Cry. Mm -hmm. So you're like, and ever since I'll just give a little tangent here. It's like two seconds, you know. Take as much time as you need. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, you know, ever since, literally, ever since around the time that I took my shahada, I really started to think like, okay, I need a, a new mission in life then. My mission can't be trying to become fam a famous actor. Not that fame was ever really my interest anyways, but in terms of acting, like my mission can't just be acting mm. for making money and fun. And I need to have a greater purpose now. I've found the truth. You know, I need to spread it. And and I was like, what can I do? Like, what skills can I use? And obviously acting is like the first thing that comes to my head, mm -hmm. my knowledge in the film industry. I was like, okay, in the future, I really think I need to, you know, create halal alternatives to the film industry. You, you know? came up with this on your oh, own. Oh yeah, this is this was something I had already I already had planned. I already saw twenty years into the future a vision of me producing, uh, like high quality like like uh, feature films, fully Muslim like spreading a good message to Muslims. How long have you been Muslim at this point? Uh, that I mean, this this was like in the first month me thinking about all this stuff. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. Allah. Okay. So anyway, so I get 
to this event and you're speaking about Purple Don't Cry and you're like, you know, I've been looking, I, I've been uh, on a mission creating halal alternative to <laughs> I the say exactly what you're, you were saying. You, like, in at the time that you're speaking, you're like, like it's like, there's like a, I could almost feel like a, a, a background, like a underscore being played of like a rise, a suspenseful rise. It's like, uh, he's it's he's dawning it's dawning on him that this was where he was meant to be you know it's like one of those situations i'm just like this is why i'm here you know i was literally only talking to you yeah <laughs> literally it felt like that yeah i'm just sitting there like you know and then you play and then i'm like okay well, let me see it first you know? right, let right. me see the truth. you have a different standard yeah <laughs> yeah i was like it could just be you know filmed on an iphone <laughs> like, you know? which partly it was hey, I mean, that's okay not the iphone but yeah it didn't look like it though. right right anyway so you you played the trailer and i'm like yeah this is this is this is it this is uh why i'm supposed to be here i got to meet this guy mm. but i'm really not you know very uh i'm a very uh, shy is the wrong word just You're reserved. reserved reserved i'd say it's uh, reserved i think as well especially when it's somebody of importance in the situation like for example a host of an event mm. or a famous speaker or a celebrity or something I know that they're going to have tons and tons of people coming up to them. It's almost like I, I, I don't need to be another one, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just felt like I will be so disappointed with myself if I leave here today and I haven't gone up to you. Mm. So at that intermission period, I come up to you and I'm like, assalamu alaikum, you know, mm. I'm a new Muslim. I've been an actor for, um, since I was six years old. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, okay. Uh, let's let's we gotta get you in there, brother. What's your Instagram? Mm. And, and so I grab your Instagram, and that was about it. Like that was our conversation. It was kind of a. Very so can I tell you my side of the story now? Sure, sure. Okay. So exactly as you said it, I played the trailer. You come up to me, and you're like, you know, I'm this actor. I've I've acted and stuff, and I, you know, bro, everybody tells me they're an actor. Of course. So I've heard this a hundred times. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, bro. I'm sure you're an actor, you know. <laughs> and then I remember like checking out your IG. search mm -hmm. i think once i got home i threw your name in imdb and i was like oh you're an actor actor you ain't <laughs> one of these little amateurs i've been rolling with you were like an actor actor so i was like oh hell yeah but at the same time i didn't want to oversell how excited i was mm -hmm. so i was like yeah you know we'll just play it cool i remember i just sent you a message I'm like hey bro just give me your number i think you were still going to be in calgary when i came back because i was coming yeah. back to show the film yeah so i was like you know what just show up to the film Actually, you know, I wasn't even actually still going to be in Calgary. I purposely stayed an extra two Did days. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I felt honored. So yeah. you actually stick around yeah. to see the film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so what happened in between that time? I don't, Just refresh my memory. So I, you sent me a message on IG just remembering yeah. who you were. Yeah. I, sent I responded you back. You said, hey, man, uh, you know, uh, that's dope. I'd love for you to come. I have a screening. If you're going to be around during this time, you should come out. I'd love to have you as my guest, you know. Right. Um. Like, yes, okay. I invited you. Yeah, I invited you to come see the screening. Yeah. And so I said, OK, sure, mm -hmm. I should be around. I'll let you know. Mm -hmm. And then when we got closer to the time, I realized I would be around. Mm -hmm. So I messaged you and we set it up. Mm -hmm. Th between that time was really nothing. I was just like hanging. You were filming, filming you were doing your working, thing. You know? So now what happened? You came to the screening, mm -hmm. which was super ghetto, by the way. Hey, but that's that's how I run. That's hey, how man. I run my show. It's OK. okay. <laughs> but it was got to start somewhere. Right? Yeah. But it was actually like, you know, it was done at the University of, mm -hmm. of Calgary. It was a very organic thing. We we're doing it with the MSA. Yeah. I remember we we had a room initially our first room. The, the tech didn't work. We had yep. to switch to another room. And then there were these two screens. It wasn't ideal. But, you know, I didn't care anyways. I show I show my films anywhere. I have no shame. Yeah. But I remember having you there. I already had it in my head. I'm like, 
I got to put a seed in your head. Because mm. I could, I just as you were seeing things down the line, I was also seeing things down the line. I'm like, mm. oh, this kid's going to be a problem. I was like, if, if we don't utilize him and figure out how to get him integrated, like he has, you had talent and a resume that I hadn't come across before. Mm-hmm. And at your age and everything. So I know we, we and me and you started talking a lot. But I just yeah. remember that day it was so cool because it was, it was like, it yeah, was just, yeah. it was so quick. I'm, I, I do apologize because my, my head was all over the place. I was yeah. in and out. But I just remember seeing you and I was like, you know, and I introduced you to Elias and I yep. saw him there with me as well. Yep. So I remember they were kind of like, oh, who's this guy? And I was like, bruh, don't worry. I'm like, he's the he's our guy. Like, he's our boy. He's, you know. So automatically, alhamdulillah, these two just fell in line. They're like, oh, okay, cool. They didn't know who you were. Yeah. I told him he's an actor. He's done some stuff, you know. But we didn't know anything else about you. Yeah. Even I didn't know much about you. I was just like, hey, he's a cool kid. Like, he's Muslim. Let's bring him out and see what happens, you know. So what did you take away from that that screening? I, I, I was just like, wow, you know, I... Uh I, I think I came in with l- low expectations. Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Because I, I honestly, I didn't even do yeah. very much research. Like right. I now I'm looking back, I was like, I should have been like, okay, who's this Bona Muhammad dude? Yeah, and yeah. I started to do research. I didn't even do that. I was like, oh, this guy invited me to the screening. Well, I'll go to the screening. You sure. know. Um, and I was thoroughly Im- like actually impressed. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it was like I, I saw the, I saw the vision. I think was the main thing, right? Like, it wasn't overtly like you're trying to like like it wasn't like a non-Muslim could have watched that and mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Oh, they have too. Yeah, we've yeah. had non-Muslims. Yeah, and I saw I saw it and I was like, this is a- like this actually has a really big potential, and I could see the the future. You know, as quality gets better and production gets mm-hmm. increases. You know, um, but I was just excited to meet you guys. Mm. Um. Uh, Isam was like so cool to me. I don't know. He loved you off the bat. He didn't even know you. He was just like, oh, I got, he, he, Isam, by the way, is one of those guys. I think he feels people out more than anything. He's like a vibe guy. Yeah. So automatically you were good vibes. Yeah. He didn't know who you were. He didn't know what you were about. But he's like, I like this kid. Yeah. I I, I mean, we even spoke about it actually while we we were together Mm. in Malaysia. And, you know, he, he, like, we just, uh, it was like some like click, you know, I couldn't really explain you know, it. I really feel like, you know, it's one of those sayings in Islam that like, you know, sometimes souls have met each other before. Mm. There are people that you might have known, you know, in a life like, the, you know, before we were brought down to this earth when our souls were intermingling, yeah. you know, like there's a feeling that like, I know this person, I have a connection yeah. with them. Like, so I felt like it was one of those things where like, there was something unique about, especially you two, the connection yeah. I saw with you guys, it was like, he felt like he already knew you. Yeah, he was just right. picking up where you left off, and like you just met this guy thirty yeah. minutes ago. You know, subhanallah. But subhanallah. Um, so you saw the film. Saw you the came, film. Um, and then you were coming back to Toronto. I think literally like the next few days or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I said, hey, let's link up when you get back. Yeah. When we got here, uh, I I brought you to the studio. I brought you to this building. We sat. I was super excited about the idea of potentially working with you as an actor. Because I was like, this guy's the most qualified person I've ever met in my life, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh, man. But then automatically, I knew that you were unionized. Because mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way he's doing all this stuff ununionized. Like, that'd be crazy, right? Yeah. So I was like, all right, he's Actra. You're union. I'm not union. Yeah. So automatically, I kind of knew, you know, there might be a bit of a roadblock there. I was like, okay, you know, he's a cool kid. He's in the industry. We just may not be able to mesh. Mm-hmm. And do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I do. I do. And it, it went... Uh, it was something that I kind of had an idea of right before I came to see you. I was like, oh, I'm going to see this guy, Bona. He's, uh, 
you know, he's a film producer and, and, you know, and then, and writer and stuff. And I was like, and my mom was like, okay, well, you know, you can't work in anything. I was like, what? <laughs> she knew, she knew the truth. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you can't do anything with it, with him because you're a union mm. and he's working on non-union projects. And I was like, oh man. So I, I had this big like argument with my mom. I was like, it doesn't make any sense. You know, like why, why am I being controlled by somebody else? Like hey. all this stuff. Mm. Um, I thought they're supposed to be working for me, not hey, to that's tell what me. That's I've been saying. Actra, hey, I mean, you know, shout, <laughs> shout out to Actra, you're doing a great job. But yeah, oh, I have, I'll put I have, my head down for that. No, part. no, no <laughs> I have my own issues with the union because yeah. I also do believe that at times they don't allow artists to express that creativity, right? Yeah. And there are times when, even as a unionized artist, you may want to, you know, reach down and do something which may not be unionized, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like that should be your prerogative, right? No, nobody should stop you from that. Anyways, Absolutely. long tangent, but Absolutely. so we've both discovered very quickly that that probably isn't an option. Yeah. Even though now we have discovered that it is an option. Yeah. <laughs> there are ways I'm around it, that. but at the time we were kind of set on that. And then you told me something, you told me a very interesting thing. Yeah. So you actually said, you know, do you have any interest in like directing or writing or any other things? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I would love to direct and, you know, writing, um, I've never wrote a full script, but I write music. And he was like, and then you were like, can you sing? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I can, yeah, I can sing. <laughs> I was like, I'm okay. Again, let me pretext this, bro. Everybody tells me they can sing. Just yeah. like everybody tells me they're an actor, everybody says they can sing. So yeah. automatically when you said that, I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. I, I'm sure you could sing, whatever, okay? It's yeah. like, whatever. It's like, okay. It I've heard some voice memos of... Uh, yeah, of some <laughs> other apparent actors and singers as well. So then... You told me you could sing. I was like, okay. I even told you, bro, if you could sing half a note, mm-hmm. there's a future for you. I'm sure there's a way we can work together, right? Yeah. And then what happened? So then uh, I was you like, had been doing something secretly that I didn't know about. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, so I used to make music before coming to Islam. I used to make music a lot, mainly just as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had released some stuff as well. Like uh, I was just, you know, it was, it was just something I really enjoyed. And it's been a part of my life for a whole long period of time. And then... Pretty much like as soon as I learned that music, you know, musical instruments were haram, uh, then I just like stopped. I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this by like gradually, uh, you know, stopping here and there. So I just like anything, get it out. Like I just deleted everything. I couldn't, I, I never wanted to listen to anything again because if I did even think about making music or writing or anything like that, I felt like I would get sucked back in because mm. it was a strong love that I had. Mm-hmm. Um um, anyway, so then I, I really stayed away from writing or anything. And then I s- started to realize like, okay, well, what if I just like did like a vocals only stuff? So I just started to search stuff up and realized that like, oh, there's actually, a, this actually exists. I didn't really know to the extent that it existed. You didn't know Nasheed was a thing? No, no, I didn't. Mm. I knew that there was like, I actually heard um, some of Muslim Bilal's stuff. Mm. That was like one of the first, MB. yeah, MB, the OG, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So he had like two albums on Apple Music that I mm-hmm. was playing, uh, listening to a little bit of, and then um, when I got back, I was like, I could try this, you know, why mm-hmm. not? So I search online, like, uh, you know, don't say, don't say <laughs> the names of anyone. I know, I know. Yeah, okay. I search online uh, vocals only beats. Yeah, and vocal <laughs> tunes was the first one that came oh, up. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, yes, brother Elias, yes, yes, of course. So anyway, so I take one of those beats and I just am like, I guess here we go. Let me try something. And so I write uh, the song, like my first song. It's like in like 20, 30 minutes, I'm just like sitting there listening to it and writing the whole thing. 
and just did it for fun. I was like, oh, it's not bad. Showed it to my, t- showed it to some friends and stuff like that. Thought it was good. Um, and then uh, when you asked me if I write or sing or anything, then I was like, oh yeah, I actually have a, a song if you want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so then I sent it to you. And <laughs> oh my God. I can let you take it away so, if you want. <laughs> yeah. Again, everyone tells me they're an artist. Everyone tells me they sing, whatever. Yeah. And I was just laughing. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. You sent me that song and I was like, oh, hell nah. This guy can really sing. <laughs> you completely undersold it. Like it was without exaggerating. And I don't want to, you know, praise you too much because you're here. I was like, oh, this is fire. This is one of the best things I've heard. And I'm yeah. very critical. You mm-hmm. have to understand, like I am the number one hater. I tell people straight to their face, like, hey, this is not good. You can improve. Here's how. With you, I was like, oh, I could, you're singing, your voice. I could hear the training in your vocals. Mm-hmm. I could hear that you knew how to sing, which is a big thing because there's, you know, there's a technical side of it. People sure. just think writing songs is like, oh, I like singing. Some people don't know how to sing. Mm-hmm. You have real vocal training, right? Yeah. And I should also mention that your parents run a musical theater camp. Yeah. For kids. So you have been taking musical training and musical theater and theory and composition since you were a child. Yeah. And writing music since I was a child. I like almost since I guess 12, 13 years old, I've had uh, like my little computer that records mm-hmm. and I've had uh, a little mini microphone and I would just, you know, make random stuff. So, so yeah, yeah, you were not just some amateur off the block. Yeah. You were already like top five Nasheed artists in my head. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this guy's top five. Like yeah. without having released anything and knowing just where you were coming from and your influences and also the way I think you compose and write, it's such a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. It's so different. I can really hear the musical theater background. I can hear the way you compose songs. It's very much story structured. It's like there's a crescendo. Like it, it feels like something that industry has never really seen before. Mm. So when I heard that, I just started laughing, bro. I remember walking around my neighborhood at night just laughing to myself like, oh, my God. I started thinking to myself, I just discovered gold. That's literally at my head. I'm like, this kid is the next big deal. Like, mashallah, tabarakallah. Like, I was already in my head. I was making all the connections, like what you could do. Immediately, first person I sent to do is Ilyas. I'm like, bro, listen to this right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you know, this is fire. Who is this? I'm like, bro, when are you available? What was the first thing I told you? I said, what day are you available? We're yeah. going to the studio. Yeah. It was literally, you sent me that track, and I was like, all right, three days later, I was like, I booked a studio session. I told Ilias, make yourself available. This was like, <laughs> I felt like I had, like, Oppenheimer. Like, I was dealing with the atomic bomb. <laughs> I was just like, everybody stand back. Like, do, I was like, do not ruin this. This is a big deal. Because that's how excited I was, you know? Um, and then, alhamdulillah, like, you know, we can talk about it openly now because this is going to be a huge chapter of your life coming up, which yes. is... This world of nasheed, singing, songwriting, this is going to be, inshallah, a category that you're planning on entering very soon. Inshallah, inshallah. Right? So we talked a lot about your background as an artist. We talked about what you've done and accomplished so far in Hollywood. Mm. Um, what's next for Amin Davis? What do you, yeah. what do because I mean, a lot of people would think, well, naturally, you know, you have to leave Hollywood and all these stuff is haram and da da da. But like, sure. what is your perspective on that? Yeah, you know, I think... Uh, well, number one, I'm taking everything pretty slow inter- and, and being open-minded, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, But I, I don't really see um, it as necessarily that I need to completely leave this. I think I have, I'm definitely being a lot more selective, right? 
And I think for me, you know, you know, Islam is number one mm. on. Uh, and so all the, the stuff like my career and stuff like that, I am putting it in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But I do see I do see a way in which, you know, this these platforms that have so much influence over the youth, over so many different people. I think we actually have a duty to, you know, create and be a positive force. And so I think I'm in a unique position as well, being in the situation that I am to where, you know, of course, I'm going to be very selective on what I'm able to on what I'm doing and what I want to put out. But I think that I have a unique um, ability to really inspire the youth and reach out to them in on places where they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Like um, whether we want to admit it or not, this is, you know, people are watching Netflix. People are going to the movie theaters. People are streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having a positive message on those platforms that they're watching, having an alternative for that, I think is really beneficial. And so I would say, you know, I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm open to staying. Um, also, we've got some uh, Nasheed stuff that's going on. Um, that career is about to take off. Inshallah, inshallah. Inshallah. I mean, I think between your nasheeds, um, whatever Hollywood has to throw your way, because mm. I actually feel like now more than ever, there's this need for diversity. There's mm. this need for Muslim representation. Like sure. you could fill a lot of those holes that Hollywood has right now with diversity and with actually having real Muslims in their productions. Yeah. So I think more than anything, um, even you taking on Muslim roles, like that would be dope. Yeah. Inshallah. Yeah. So. Um, I'm excited for the future. I think there's a a ton of opportunity and place to go, places to grow. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just staying, uh, you know, learning, continuing to learn and increase in knowledge, inshallah, and just really uh, put the mission, number one mission of, you know, spreading Islam. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're doing that, spreading a positive message, you know, and we're doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then if it's meant to be, it will be. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. And I want to give a quick shout out to uh, the institute that you're studying with right now. Yes. Because, you know, alhamdulillah, one of the first things that we did was kind of get you signed up with a credible institute, Al-Maghrib yeah. Institute. Many people know around the world, you know, Al-Maghrib is the largest um, platform for English-speaking Muslims to learn about their deen. You're mm. a faith essential student. Alhamdulillah. So you have been taking courses online. You have been kind of growing and learning more about your Islam. How's your Arabic? How, how do you find Arabic to be so far? You know, it's tough, uh, but I'm learning, trying. Obviously, I'm not uh, nothing perfect yet, uh-huh. um, but uh, that's next definitely is like actually learning the Arabic language, mm. because I think when you have like an actual understanding of what you're reciting, you know, right now it's like I'm learning the English version and then slowly, as I was saying, like put putting it into Arabic mm-hmm. so that I know the meaning. But just I mean, the idea of being able to just read Quran, just like open, open the book and read Quran. Mm. Um, not there yet, but inshallah soon. So inshallah. how have you been learning? Because I know you, you've learned some surahs. <laughs> like what's yeah. your process? Like how do you actually learn Quran yeah, without being able to read Arabic? Yeah, I literally just go on YouTube and uh, I search up videos which have the English, the Arabic, the English translation and the transliteration mm-hmm. and also being recited at the same time. I'll just go ayah by ayah and stop listen read the it phonetically like read the transliteration and try and memorize it and then move on to the next uh, i think that as well alhamdulillah you know my experience in the film industry has made my uh, memorizing of lines 
skill transfer over to memorizing. So, oh, let's say it. You have a photographic memory. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah it's from learning scripts. Yeah, yeah. So you're able to look at a script, just digest it as it is yeah. in a few moments, <coughs> and then have that ready to go. Yeah. Learn to do that. That's crazy. A, yeah, it's like a photographic plus audio because of my musical experience as well, right? Mm. I also like memorize just based on sound and tones. So, um, so yeah, the double whammy. Allah <laughs> well, look, I can't let you leave without giving us some oh. little bit, little snippet of something. So we talked about your Nasheed career. Inshallah, yeah. the Nasheeds will come. People will hear those. But yeah. I'm interested in your Quran as well. Okay. I know that you have been memorizing a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and there's one particular surah I think that really caught your attention. Yeah, I love uh, Surah Yasin. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's a beautiful surah. The first 10, 11 ayahs kind of speak about a state that I started to realize so many people are in around me when I started to, you know, when I had that initial question of how is the world not Muslim? You know, how is the entire world not following Islam? Um and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this in Surah Yasin. Um, people that are just, you know, blinded. Um, and not their eyes, but their hearts. Obviously, mm. that's not part of that surah. But mm. um, yeah, subhanAllah. So I wanted to learn it. And mo many times when I'm reciting it, I cry. I won't this time, inshallah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, well, I'd love to hear you recite. And this is just FYI <coughs> no tajweed training. No tajweed No training. formal Quran teacher. This yeah. is, again, learning from YouTube strictly. And again, shout out to YouTube. Like, what can't you learn on YouTube nowadays? SubhanAllah. So, Bismillah, I would love to hear you recite some from that surah. Okay. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Yasin wal Quran al Hakim inna kalamin al Mursalin ala sirat mustaqim tanzil al Aziz al Rahim litundira kamma undira abahum fahum ghafilun. لقد حق القول ولا أكثرهم فهم لا يؤمنون إن جعلنا في أعناقهم مولانا فهي إلى الأثقان فهم مكمهون وجعلنا من بين أيديهم صدا ومن خلفهم صدا فأغشيناهم فهم لا يبصرون وسواء عليهم ما أنثرتهم أم لم تنذرهم لا يؤمنون الله الله أكبر الله أكبر have you ever studied with a sheikh before what did you say have have you ever studied with a sheikh have you ever done Quran or no this is just from YouTube yeah just from YouTube yeah wow that's crazy that's crazy. Mashallah. It's, you know, you clearly have a beautiful talent. 
Uh, we ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to protect you, Ameen. bless you and your family, and grant hidayah to everyone around you. Ameen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you the strength and the tawfiq, inshallah, to reach your highest potential in your dreams. Ameen. And we ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you a source of khair and goodness for this ummah. And this is honestly, for me, it's a beautiful moment. Like it's a, it's a celebratory moment for all of us to see Ameen. someone like you embrace Islam and come with all your different skill sets and your enthusiasm and your zeal for the deen. So we just ask that all the viewers at home continue to make dua for you, Ameen. that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you Ameen. and keep you firm upon this path inshallah uh, we will see a lot more from you very soon inshallah you are going to be the muslimi poster child so everyone who's following this platform stay tuned inshallah because we're going to hear a lot more from our brother amin davis so i want to thank you for giving us some of your time i know this thank was you. a little bit longer than we expected hey, the pleasure is all mine alhamdulillah but i'm happy we're able to get your story out and there's still a lot more that we left so out much. So, so much so much so this yeah. is going to be inshallah to be continued type of thing inshallah. Uh, but inshallah we're going to see you very soon and i want to thank all those who stay tuned to the towards the end and watch this entire episode Make sure you stay plugged into Muslimi. We got great content coming your way. This was episode one of this new podcast, The Muslimi Experience. But inshallah, we'll be coming with a lot more. Make sure you tell your friends and family. Like, share, subscribe. Do all that good stuff. And inshallah, I'll see you next time as your host, Brother Bona Muhammad. Take care. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.